Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ethan Freeman, host of the Freeman Art Company podcast. Today's guest is Carla Grace. Carla is a South African-born artist who creates hyper-realistic wildlife paintings. She spent most of her childhood in countries known for their wildlife. So Carla is able to portray these beautiful animals in such a way that makes you feel like you're right there on the safari. This is a very exciting episode where we discuss how she became a professional artist, what she has learned about herself in this journey, and what her next steps are. Plus, we touch on the complexities that arise for artists on the rise and how her business needs change in response. Let's get started. How's your day going, yeah. first and foremost? Sounds great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so far so good. Um, dropped my daughter off at daycare and now I've got the little one who's just finished a feed, so the timing's pretty good. Um, the, uh, the family's had a bit of gastro mixed with a bit of a cold the past three or four days, so... Oh, man. Um, thankfully, I didn't get it. So I but was every, just, everybody else did. Yeah, for some reason. But oh, luckily, man. I didn't get it because otherwise it would have been even more of a disaster than it oh, already was. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That sounds that sounds pretty uh, rough, especially for the sleep. How, how yeah. young is, the, is your youngest child? Uh, he is 11 weeks. 10 11, weeks okay, because I was going to say, I think that yeah. must be pretty recent. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, hopefully that's it. I don't think oh, really? I can do this newborn phase again. Yeah. Yeah. No, you look like you do one heck of a job, honestly. Uh just like you know, maintaining a really awesome uh career as an artist, not only just painting, but then also uh you know the professional side and growing your brand all the while growing a family. Yeah. That's uh you got your plate and then they get sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess the family part, um, this the stage that it's at at the moment is uh is a short term, I guess. Um, it's not going to be like this forever. So, um, yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to like sort of excuse like being tired and, and having to put in just the little bit extra effort because you know that it's not going to last forever. So, right. um, it's manageable that way, I guess. <laughs> right. The way you worded it made it sound like the family is uh, temp- temporary. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> family's permanent. Just the phase of newborn and needing to get up three, four times a night. Hopefully, oh, man. yeah. <laughs> Everybody that I know that has kids is just like wrecked whenever they they go to work. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's the end I, of your social life for sure. Like oh, <laughs> everybody makes it seem like it's truly just the whole reason of being alive. Whenever you see, whenever you have a kid, it gives you this reinvigorated purpose in life and this extra drive it does yeah you see everything um through a different lens like you're looking at life through the lens of a toddler and it's like oh that looks like fun but not fun for you it's fun for the toddler so and they're just so excited it's like just this pure innocent joy and it really just like makes you feel good about what you're doing so right. um it's uh, nice adorable. to see things that way right so uh yeah. so if you want to just start off uh, i've been doing for the past uh, few hours been watching your youtube videos and reading up on uh, all the articles <laughs> and you know all the interviews that you've been a part of so i don't want to try to you know be too yeah. end- redundant on my end but um definitely uh, would just like to start off with just kind of hearing uh, your background and kind of how you got to where you are yeah, so I, I've grown up in multiple different parts, I guess, of the world. I've immigrated five times. And so 
a lot of them, so three three countries in Africa. I was born in South Africa and then grew up in Zimbabwe and then New Zealand and then Zambia and then back to New Zealand and then now I live in Australia. Um, so I think that's given me um, a pretty good sort of open mind when it comes to how I approach different situations and things like that. And I'd always been good at art and it just sort of, I never wanted to be an artist, but... Um, my time in Africa gave me the freedom to, I guess, pursue it just because I had the time. Um, and so, yeah, it just sort of grew from this little bit of a passion that I would do during school and got better and better and, yeah, it just sort of evolved, I guess, slowly over time. Um so now I live in Australia. I've been doing wildlife art full-time for the past two years. Before that, I was doing it more part-time um, and I made the transition over um, about five years for me to really get into it full-time. And now I live in South Australia with my beautiful little family. I've got two kids Emily, who is almost two, and William, who is, uh, I think, 10 weeks, 11 weeks old. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just I work when I can and somehow manage to make it work. That's, yeah, that's a lot. probably yeah, you, me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, you got quite a few uh, jobs cut out for you right now on top of being an artist with the two kids. Yep. Yeah, what? yeah. So I've got a, a little bit of a commission waiting list. So I'm just sort of starting that. Okay, okay. Yeah. As um, I go. Yeah. Real quick, just curious, were you in, did you do like the corporate thing before you became, decided to become a, a full time artist or kind of how did that evolve whenever you went from, you know, kind of doing uh, as a passion, realizing, okay, I'm going to try to make money on this and then going from part time to deciding full time? You know, was there a real job or, you know, or a corporate job or whatever you would consider that? Um, I'm probably the least qualified person in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so uh, no, it wasn't a corporate job. I think I always, well, not always, but when it came to leaving school and deciding what I wanted to do with my life, I, I sort of, I saw art as a, a potential like deal breaker for me uh, and I thought I would pursue that and then if that didn't work then I'd, I'd consider other options because I just didn't know what I wanted to do so I tried art school and I dropped out of that I just hated it um, the academic art institute I guess um, is not really uh, it doesn't really allow for just visually stunning paintings rather it just focuses on the conceptual and the provocative I guess and that really isn't what I do and so I left art school after two years and moved to Australia and decided that okay I'm going to give art a go but now I've got this massive student loan so I have to pay that off oh, wow. and so I worked as a legal secretary because I didn't really actually have to get too many qualifications to um, get an entry-level job um, like that. And then I just sort of, I worked reception and secretarial jobs just until I paid off my student loan, which took me 
around three years, but all the while I worked uh, uh, as an artist behind the scenes, I guess, in the background doing commissions as much as possible. I told myself, don't don't ever say no to commission, make it work for you somehow. Uh, and that was the best way, I think, for me to just experiment with what I was capable of doing and also working out a price point which was probably the hardest part starting off as an artist was working out what I was worth um, and then sort of growing it from there. So once once I was financially, f- like, free, I was able to sort of shift my focus from just doing commissions, like the guaranteed jobs, to then pursuing originals, like really focusing on a brand and taking a step back and really working that side out of things. So I have no business background. I have no qualification to own a business or run, <laughs> somehow be successful at it. I've just sort of gotten the feel for it as I've evolved and figured out what I've wanted more from a business perspective uh, versus an artist perspective, I think there's quite a difference between the two. So well, it sounds yeah. a lot like you really approach the you know your you know, a lot of artists you know they they have um, you know, business mindset I think overall, but um, you definitely sound a lot more dedicated, focused if if that's what the right word is. Not to step on anybody else's toes, but um, when I, whenever I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I whenever I've been reading up on you and, and you know read more about you know, your career that's definitely the biggest uh, takeaway uh, so I'm just curious have you always kind of been um, what's the right word I guess more extroverted more outgoing trying to find opportunities within like is that kind of who you are as a person or would you consider this kind of stepping out of your comfort zone and historically in your life you know trying to think like this has been a weakness um, it's that's a really good question because personality-wise, I'm equal parts inverted versus introvert. So I'm not over the top needing to get out there and experiment and everything. And I'm neither like over the over the like side of being introverted either. So being an artist, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is it's very isolated, especially when everything's online. There's no need to go out to galleries and to um, open nights and all that sort of stuff to really network. It's all done online now. So it's sort of the introvert's dream. (laughs) You don't actually have to deal with people face-to-face. But the problem that I face is because I'm still equally extroverted, I I love the people interaction and Mm -hmm. and I love to get out there and, and, and network and things like that. So I think having the balance, being okay to be home and, you know, not deal with people per se on a uh, one-on-one basis, but being willing to do it as well uh, is, it's a really interesting balance. Uh, and the business side of things, like um, finding finding that balance, that's that's all come out intuitively because I wasn't raised to be entrepreneurial. The women in my family are more raised to serve and, you know, be a bit more supportive Massive. There's no real strong women, like power women figures. I say when it like when it comes to the business side of running a family and, and being an adult. That I've sort of figured out once I left home mm-hmm. and 
got a feel for life as an adult myself, right. which is quite interesting and probably a whole discussion on its own. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but when it came to setting up my business, I started off as a sole trader and everything that I've done, because I'm introverted, I guess, I am happy to research and I sort of just dive down the rabbit hole and I really apply myself to what I don't know and I pick the holes in my knowledge and then I pursue those rather than um, being like, oh, I don't know, I can't do it. If it's something I don't know, then I'm like, okay, how do I figure out how to do that? And Google, honestly, is just incredible. YouTube, thank you everyone that has ever posted a tutorial on YouTube about anything. Really? <laughs> Save my butt. So yeah. um, there have been like opportunities for me to pursue further education in the business world and like figuring how, out how to do things. But I just haven't actually felt like I've needed to. I've been able mm-hmm. to teach myself everything uh, online. And I guess my personality has that element of focus to it and discipline where I just, I'm like, a, I guess a, a dog with a bone and I just want to just have a go until I get to the goodness of it and I don't really <laughs> stop it when it's just a shallow success. I really want that deep, um, like really over the top, no things. And I guess that has filtered through to the information that I share and the tutorials that I create is just very thorough with the amount of information that I give because once I start down that rabbit hole and I'm on the research path, I just see all the layers that are involved and I guess that also comes around to the business side of things. It's not just about making a painting and selling it. There's an infinite amount of different avenues to go down and all the different marketing things to consider. And it just, there's just so much. And I guess I've, I've been lucky that I have a way of thinking and addressing problems that have enabled me to, to see those different things. I would say that you're pretty lethal from from what I'm gathering because uh, because you didn't have this entrepreneurial background. So you have a certain, certain sense of humility that allows you to be more thorough in your research. Uh, and then also coming from yeah. you know a household where the females historically have been more on the service and support, you know, kind of the more typical uh, yeah. role. Yeah. You know, in, in reality, that's pretty much what an entrepreneur is. They're not necessarily their own boss. You know, everybody else is giving them feedback yeah, and they have yeah. to put themselves, they have to be empathetic, put themselves in other people's shoes, look at things from their perspective. Yeah. So being, yeah, I think those two are pretty, pretty lethal whenever you put them together. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good way of looking at it. Um, I think the, the business, like from the outside, you think that an entrepreneur or, or a business owner, CEO is someone that's very, Um, self-focused and driven according to their um, ambitions but it's actually it's not really it really is about everyone that supports their vision and and supports the business structure you really are more people focused and empathetic than you are I guess um, focused on your own self-ambition I guess it's the driving force but ultimately you're, you're all too aware of, of how dependent are you, you are on, on the support you have around you. Um, exactly. and for me, that's, that's social media. It's, I would be nothing without everyone that, that supports me and actually looks at my work. <laughs> yeah. well, so. it's, hard, it's hard not to. It looks, it's, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank um, you. And just the fact that that can come from someone's imagination, they have a blank. Uh, 
I'm not artistic at all in that in that sense. I'm not a painter. Uh, Tried a few times here and there just for fun, but to have that sense of uh, depth and then and being able to like see the image on a blank slate and then actually make it and it looks so realistic. I think it's uh, it's beautiful and it says a lot too. You know, some people might look at um, realistic art and say, "Well, what's the meaning?" But I think the fact that it's realistic says a lot already about the perspective it's kind of kind of points to this idea of like what you're seeing is a is a real part of life and humanity and you know it's worth understanding that it's it's as real as it looks you know it it speaks to the meaning overall of the painting it being real is kind of pointing out that yeah it actually is a real deal yeah that's a beautiful way of looking at it yeah yeah I've I've tried other forms of art like abstract and impressionism and I just, I suck at it. I just can't do it. I think there's, I just, because I want to focus so much on what I'm doing and, and get it just right. It's just, I can't do anything other than realism. And I'm okay with that. It's, it's, it's taken a while for me to accept that this is what it's going to be for me, but um, it's the least efficient use of my time. You have one, one product after months of work. Um, it's yeah. Well, that, that's what in terms it, of the business side it's yeah. it's not scalable yeah <laughs> well that, that you know if you if i think if you did really well what you are doing on the social side of things um you know social yeah. media and networking uh whenever it comes down you know already you, you've got quite a big following and i only see that getting bigger over time uh and then having fewer paintings out could only really help at the end of the day your price point yeah, so we also had to focus, we had to decide on what so the business structure do we go down more of an exclusive range or do we go down the prints and the sort of mass art side of things and it's really hard because you've got more people asking for prints than you do people asking for the high end really expensive originals. Uh so that, that side of it's also really interesting deciding what business structure when you've got so many um, so many different options that seem a little bit more instant, I guess the instant cash uh, when it comes to art is quite attractive. Um, but in terms of the long game, uh, it's it's not what we what our brand wants to achieve, I guess in the long term. <laughs> That's a good segue uh, into this next question. Was how would you describe where you're at now? Real quick, who who is we? Is where it you now? and your husband, or <laughs> when I think of we, I think of myself and Emily. <laughs> but it is actually my husband and I. Okay. He um, he's been the most incredible support, and I I get a lot of inspiration from him. So we, I think, is is the family around around me. Uh, that's that's directly involved um but it's where we're at now is I think we're we're at a um on an on a ledge like where we're about to take a step (laughs) off (laughs) into something a little bit more substantial when it comes to the brand and where we want to go long term uh I think to make like bring light into that is to say where I want my wildlife brand to go like by the end of my career so like I guess my career won't really ever end because artists work only gets really noticed once they pass away so um 
I think the big picture for me is to give wildlife in the history of art a little bit more of a, a podium, I guess, to, to, to make it stand out a bit more. Because when you think of the history of art, it, it focuses a lot on portraiture, still life, you know, the big, the big names in art are not really wildlife artists and I want to change that. I want to bring something to wildlife art that hasn't been done before. And so each, each stage that I find my business in or my brand or my vision uh, every year is sort of, it's a movement towards where I'm hoping I'll be able to take wildlife art. And a lot of that depends on my technical ability and, my creative ability and that comes through practice and experimenting so at the moment behind the scenes what I don't what I'm not confident yet to show everyone are my more I guess surreal take on how I'm going to present wildlife in the form of a painting and it's taking a bit more of an interesting turn so for me to take a step off the ledge and plunge into this sort of um, world of not really real but very real tangible wildlife on a painting surface that you wouldn't really get in a photograph is pretty scary. I'm excited as well, but it's, it's so hard to sort of explain, but that's sort of where I'm at at the moment is I'm on this, this precipice of, of um, diving off into something out of my comfort zone and I'm really hoping that I can pull it off because going forward through this, I need it to work, I guess, um, right. for the bigger picture and the long, the long game, yeah. So coming up on this precipice. Which is what? a very vague answer. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's fine. It's uh, it, so it's it's some it's un, the unknown. That's why you're kind of nervous about it. I guess is what's on the other side of this. Yeah, it's super unknown, but, but it's exciting. Yeah. What, what all do you consider? You know, going the route that you've been going versus trying to pivot. What do you see the pros and cons as a business person? As a business person, I think I need it because no business succeeds on doing the same thing every day for the whole duration of the of the business's life they have to adapt their products and adapt their vision according to the way the world changes and the market changes so I think that that if I don't grow and push myself uh, in my technical and my vision and it just it'll grow stale and people will be like oh we've seen this before uh there's, there's the need for originality and social media. It sort of accelerates that. And where I would have been fine to maybe change things every couple of years, I'm needing to change things like add and make things more dynamic sort of annually now. And that's, it sort of puts the pressure on a little bit, but I like the pressure. And I like having to, to need to do that. So from a business perspective, it's, it's sort of, it's, a, it's an essential part to staying alive and staying relevant and current and interesting uh, to, to add a little bit more to what I'm already doing. Do you think that goes for other artists as well or just where you're at in your particular brand? 
needing to um, I really can't speak right. for other artists that's that's the thing with the art world there are no rules and what works for one artist might not work for another uh that's why it's so hard to give advice because there's a it's a different market for every different artist because the style is different and the long game's different so, and the personality of the artist is different, which is quite interesting because now people are getting to know the story of the artist via social media rather than just the career of the artist. They're actually, they they sort of fall in love with the personality of yes. the person that they're buying the artwork from. It's not just, it's not just an artwork right. anymore. Uh, so I think if an artist is doing the same thing for the last decade and it's still working for them, and they're still loving it and their market is loving it, then, hey, do your thing. Love it. Just just embrace what you're doing. Uh, if the long game is to just be comfortable in what you're doing and to just make ends meet, then keep doing it. But if the long game is to grow and to really take a notch out of the art world and be an impact and an influence in whatever you're genre is then I think growth and change and uh vision like larger than just being comfortable and making sales and making pretty artwork is pretty key so it depends on what what the artist wants to do long term and if they're if they're comfortable with taking risk like where I'm wanting to go I don't know if it's going to look good I don't know if people are going to like it Um, it could be a disaster it could be the end of my career. So, oh you know, you've got to yeah. be, be comfortable with taking risk. And, right. like, if, if that's what you want to do, if you want to scale up and, and grow beyond, yeah, just, just your everyday sales and, mm-hmm. you know, pretty pictures, yeah. You nailed it on the head. I think uh, from my perspective, um, okay, let's use your kids as an example. Um, I'm sure they're on the road to becoming great. Um, artists, but probably right now they're great in their own right. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they scribble on a piece of paper, you put it on the fridge because you love them and you're a big fan of them. And I yeah. think the same works in art overall. From my perspective, it's just if unless I if I don't know the story behind the art and I, I don't have a connection uh, with the person who painted yeah. it, uh, I really it's just it's it's nice. I can appreciate the technique and everything. But it's not until you get to know the personality mm-hmm. that you really understand if you're channeling with that person and you want to support them financially as well. I think that's a, a part of, I think the art world is uh, starting to change a good bit and technology is being incorporated, i.e. Instagram, you know, you have stories and live, you're doing uh, webinars and making video tutorials. Uh, so really expressing your personality first and foremost and channeling you know, yeah, uh, yeah. who you are with, with your customer base, I think is ultimately going to convert more at the end of the day than just making a bunch of paintings. Because if people just like the paintings and you change mm-hmm. that and they don't know the person behind why you know the change has occurred, then yeah, you yeah, probably expect yeah. a drop. But otherwise, it's probably going to increase your overall audience. Absolutely. Well, I think about, you know, when you hear about historical figures in in the art world. So, for example, Van Gogh or Da Vinci, you're not just hearing about their art, their paintings. Like, you can tell already, okay, this person's pretty talented. But when you get a historical 
um, figure, they expand on not just the um, actual artwork that the person creates over their career. It's it's all the major events that went on behind the scene that you also hear about. And I considered that when I was deciding just how much do I share about myself online because it's not just me, it's my family, uh, it's my children and, right. and my personal life. And so I, I've been viewing my content in, in sort of through the eyes of a historical article, I guess, about an artist. It's not just what I do, it's how I do it and what has influenced it around that. So that's where that's where I've decided that I can share a little bit of my personal personal life and, and it's fine because it's actually imp- it's important in the story around the art as well. Absolutely. Well, that's a good segue once again to the next question is uh, in lieu of what you said about great artists and you know, looking at um, your career in the eyes of, you know, people who are looking back at great artists and what impact they've had. What is your goal as an artist um, with that in mind? I guess I would like overall, say <laughs> I would like, but right. it's what I'm, I'm gearing towards is that wildlife artists as mm-hmm. a whole, so it's not just my work, it's, it's as a whole, the genre, I guess, lifts the game a little bit. That's why I'm encouraging other artists and sharing what I know and creating tutorials about what I've figured out, I guess. Um, I can't say it's it's what you it's everything you need to know. I guess I don't even want to know yet, um, but I'm sharing it as I go along because you know a lot. <laughs> I believe there's so much room for improvement mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to the business side, artists are looked down on, I guess, when it comes to business. Um, they're not really taken seriously. And I believe a lot of that comes also through the way artists uh, approach the business side of what they do. It's also through a bit of ignorance, I guess. They don't really know how to do it. So, I said to my husband, I was like, if at the end of the day, all I've done is helped other artists up their game, then it would have been a success. So I sort of want to be able to empower other artists to make their careers so much better and so much more professional. Like it's not just about creating paintings and it's not just about the individual artists. It's about the entire community of artists and how people perceive artists as a whole in terms of doing business with and just as a serious career. Right. Um, no, that's awesome. So it's very much it's, a leadership. Yeah, it's type it's of not just. I guess it's that, and that's scary as well because I've never really seen myself as someone who can teach other others and who's been able to actually um give anything uh good I guess because I don't really know myself if what I'm doing is going to work in the long term all I can see is the results of what I have been able to achieve and it's been yeah it's it's been really great so far so I'm like well it seems to be working so this is what I've been doing it might not work for you but um hopefully something um if you disregard 90% of what I have to say and take away a little little bit of something then 
that's awesome. Like I, right. I love that. So I think overall, like regardless of my individual ambition for my artwork and brand, if if wildlife artists or just artists in general uh, can can lift their game and do it confidently and like actually make something work for them, whereas before there was just these big gaps in in what artists are able to do if I'm able to help that in some small way then that would have been worth it right. in the long run like that's that's awesome to be part of that to be part of another artist's success um, absolutely yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly I think I think uh, we'll see yeah, once again from my perspective uh, a lot of art people are always talking about it as an investment and you know how what type of return you're going to get and that's fair it has its place but i think there's just a lot of people out there who are very talented and kind of i i, I would say uh the bottom third of artists people who are just really talented they're trying doing it part-time they're trying to figure out if this is a career option for them um and i think if someone were to yeah. contour um, a set of tools that help those that demographic uh like the bottom third yeah. of artists uh just up their game um incrementally yeah. on, very, on every notch um, all, all together, they're going to be a, a lot better off and people are going to have uh, nicer homes with more. Yeah. You know, and more beautiful art out there. Like happily. I just want to see like it just a step up, I guess, um, because there's just so much art available and a lot of it can be a lot better. Like the artist obviously has that technical ability and it just, I would love to see them sort of like smash their glass ceilings, I guess, right. um, Absolutely. in one way or another. So, so what what does uh, what does art mean for you in particular wildlife art aside you know, um, yeah is there a strong conservationist uh, heart behind it or um, kind of what what is it to you your particular brand of art um, and how does that yeah that kind of play I grew up in in Africa yeah so my my time spent especially in Zimbabwe during the 90s was exposed to wildlife in a very real way and like we would have elephants going through our backyard and our lawn we lived right on the edge of Lake Kariba and our lawn ran into the lake and so during the day we would have crocodiles tanning themselves on our grass and at night oh, we weren't allowed outside because hippos would be eating our lawn so I've experienced wildlife in a way that a lot of people um, haven't and probably won't be able to experience again in that in that way. And, and that's why I want to do wildlife and especially in a very realistic way because it gives an experience to people who haven't possibly been exposed to animals in the way that I have. And the biggest compliment I can receive is that they're like, oh, it's like it's going to walk off the canvas, like it feels real. And I'm like, yes, I got it. <laughs> so um, wildlife art to me is a way of sharing a bit of nature, I guess, uh, a bit of the rawness and the way that I've grown up with animals just the best way that I can. I think if any artist does wildlife art, there's always the underlying conservation story to it so I don't feel like I need to bang that drum anymore because that's that's become something that's part of everyone's consciousness now is that uh, 
the world, the earth as as a form of nature is is struggling and I don't I don't feel like I need to draw attention to the struggle. I want to draw attention to the beauty and the parts of it that are still alive and just really bring that into the foreground because I feel like people want to experience that and knowing and experiencing the beauty uh, encourages the need to preserve it, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. Have you have you been approached by any um, any zoos or any um, conservation groups or anything that are putting on a gala or something like that? To yes, you know, I worked with the the Adelaide Zoo uh, two thousand and nineteen and did an exhibit with them that just focused on the animals that they had. And I've been approached by the Lion Share organization, and so that's. Uh, I'm still waiting on feedback from them and things like that from ideas that we're doing um, that have proposed. But there is definitely going forward the, a stronger need to be part of uh, the conservation efforts and wildlife in general and being part of, of their story more than just an independent artist that paints the pretty pictures. I actually want to give back to the to the needs and the conservation efforts. So now that I'm in a position where I can financially sustain uh, charity events and things like that, uh, it's definitely going to become a bigger part of what I do. Unfortunately, a lot of charities uh, approach artists that are still in the startup phase and when they ask an artist to donate a painting, they don't realise that they're actually asking the artist to give like a month, two months of their salary. So like <laughs> right. it's it's quite hard as an artist, especially in the wildlife sector, when you get all these charity requests um, to donate for, you know, auctions and it's going to such a good cause. I've had to say no to so many just because I haven't been able to financially sustain that. Uh, and I don't think charities really understand that when you ask an artist who's actually making a living off their work, that when you ask them to give a painting for a donation, like to donate a painting for an auction, the artist is actually giving away their income. Like it's not, right. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it's seen as income, it's just seen as a painting. Oh, you can just make another one. Yeah, but that, exactly. that was time yeah. and all that, you know. Yeah, yeah. so it's been really hard to balance that. Yeah, so there's that whole side to the business as well <laughs> where people just don't actually, yeah, yeah, it'd be, so it'd be that's hard just as well. Say, yeah, they could probably get more people if they, I don't know, I don't know how it works, obviously, but they gave some type of, you know, 50% of, you know, the proceeds, you know, it's where the artist gets reimbursed enough to make it worthwhile, but yeah. Altogether. Yeah, unfortunately, that's never really on the cards. Like they, um, the artist has to frame and ship everything, uh, and that costs a lot. And that, that uh, like I said, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to donate an artwork, but if you cover my costs, then then they're like, oh no, we can't. That's not in the budget. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I can't either. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's also the other side of being an artist is that there's a lot of uh, expectation that it's just a whimsical thing that you can oh, you can just paint another one like just yeah and that, and it makes you feel guilty because they're going to such good causes and there's the the need there is real 
Uh, and eventually at the end of the day, you have to consider, can I sustain giving away all this income? And a lot of the time the answer is no, I still have to feed my family. At, right. Yeah, it's, and it makes you feel so guilty. Uh, you shouldn't feel but, guilty. <laughs> When you want to help, when you have a giving, like, and when your personality is that you're community focused and you want to help, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to put, um, the self first. Yeah. You you tell them you'll you'll sell a painting and then you'll give a personal donation. Yeah. It has to be like that because there's no other way to sustain it. (laughs) So what is your creative process? Just wanted to touch on that process. Um, I understand it takes obviously quite a while, super detailed, multiple layers, mm, um, yeah. you know, overall from start to finish, you know, how do you come up with the idea of what animal you're going to do next? Um, and then all see it through to completion to shipping it yeah. out. The, the creative process, I think overall is very uninspired for me. It's I'm inspired by the idea for a series and then like nutting out the details of that series and what animals to choose is done very much on the fly. Um, I, I know what I want to achieve in the overall goal and then I have to sort of wing it as I go. And that only really starts to happen when I start designing the next piece and it starts in my head. And then I start looking for reference photos to build that idea I have in my mind for the next piece and a lot of it happens through I, I need a paw to be facing this way and then I need the head to be facing that way and I need that expression and that body pose. So a lot of the time I'm stitching together yes. the, okay. the animal from right. many different images. Yeah, that's what and, I was going to ask is if you had like a certain <laughs> body, like a certain angle or, you know, how yeah, you got so, all the angles and the, you know, different types of anatomy, if there's you know, some play in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I have to really understand the animal that I'm painting to be able to do that because otherwise the proportions are going to come out completely crazy and I need to be able to understand colour and light for that that piece to be able to put it together cohesively. So my latest um, series, The Uninvited, where I sort of put together animals in a, a dinner setting was created in that way. So I had to uh, fill in the gap where the animal would be in this, the still life setup. So my husband became like the chimp for, for one of them where he had to cast his shadow over the, the tea set that was in the painting. Uh, and so I have to recreate the elements as best I can in a cohesive image and then fill the gaps with reference photos that I find online. And so once I've stitched it all together, then I can start putting it onto the canvas and the process itself of actually painting it is very monotonous and very tedious because it's so detailed and there are so many layers. Anyone that's done one of my tutorials knows the process, Mm. Um, which is layer after layer after layer. But it's very rewarding because you look back and it's like, ah, oh, that actually looks legit. So um, it's inspiring to keep going. Yeah. Uh, so eventually once I get to the end of it and I step back and, and have a look and decide whether or not it's finished, 
that's sort of where the inspiration comes back and sort of ignites the motivation to do the last final touches, I guess the highlights and and putting it all together. And then once the painting's finished, (laughs) then it's now the business side starts. Uh, So you got to photograph it, you got to frame it, varnish it, present it, market it, put it out there and and then hopefully one day sell it. Um, So it's like it's just an ongoing, it just goes from one thing to the next and it doesn't ever really stop for each painting. Even when it's been finished for a few months, it's still you're revisiting the same painting in different ways so from a business perspective and how how do I share this work and and who can it go to what's the what's the market it's targeting and it's just this constant cycle I guess um but I feel like the actual process of painting it's just the smallest part of of what actually happens in, crazy in running it as a business right. as a product which is crazy to hear. It's like being a fisherman and being like, yeah, actually catching the fish is kind of one twentieth of the yeah. whole process. Yeah. Have yeah. The fuel yeah, exactly. That. That's yeah, awesome. that's exactly right. Yeah. So I know the answer for myself regarding you, but do you consider yourself entrepreneurial? Yes. <laughs> yes. Good answer. I think it's entrepreneur first and then the title is artist because that's, um relatable I guess <laughs> but yeah and it's it started off more artists than anything and as I got into it more I was like oh I'm actually more of a businessman and my product yeah. is the art that I'm able to create um and I guess if you looked at it from a business perspective it's like this is a majorly flawed business because I'm the only one that can do <laughs> Right, what exactly. I what I can create like it's it's very limited um <laughs> have you considered getting an assistant to you know, help with uh, marketing and social media yeah I did have an assistant last year actually for about eight months and it was amazing so things like logistics and packaging and like the jobs that take away so much time that can be done by literally anybody else um, I outsourced to my beautiful assistant, Caitlin, and she she was amazing. It gave me just those few extra hours a day to paint. Um, but then we moved house and now we're too far away from her. And so she um, just, it's not really worth her to drive an hour and a half to come and work That's and go home. So, yeah, and because I work in my home, I can't really hire a stranger to come in right. and help me. It needs to be someone that I know uh, and that knows my family. So once, you know, once I'm able to work outside of the home and uh, separate my private family life from my everyday studio life, then I will definitely be hiring um, an assistant, at least one or two. <laughs> to That's help. So, so with the hiring process, is it just going out to your friends and family, figuring out who who to, or do you go this next go around? Or are you going to go online? Because that would get a lot of people for the next anxious. lot. I'll have to advertise. Yeah, I'll have to advertise the position uh, for Caitlin. I worked with her before in in an art store where I worked part time before I 
became full-time. So I'd worked with her before. So I knew her work ethic and she knew me. And so we already were colleagues. Uh, so that was that was an easy hire. Um, but going forward, because I don't really know a lot of people where we're at now, it would require advertising and I'd have to go through that whole process and um, sort of put on the human resources hat in addition right, exactly. to everything else. Yeah, yeah. And and so then you've got a lot of things that I then have to consider like work health and safety and um, all the regulations that go along with, with hiring someone. So um, yeah, that's insane. That's so much to do uh, in and of itself. A lot. For even a person who's yeah. trying to make, you know, not a non-creative business. Yeah, uh, for what exactly. That's, and it that's did, very it impressive. Just, it takes a lot to to pursue a part of um, what what I'm doing outside of, of the actual painting because that takes up so much thinking space as well because <laughs> um, I need to then get advice from um, from accountants and business advisors and things like that to actually set up the legal side of it as well for hiring someone. Um, sure. Exactly. It's, all the it's taxes a lot. It's just, and then how you oh, form your business so and yeah. yeah the whole yeah. thing is uh it's a yeah. ton of a ton and i'm sure you're going to make some more videos on that down the road um yeah <laughs> real quick just wanted to touch on it uh what are some of the bigger hurdles that you've had in terms of accounting or legal or anything just in terms of just wrapping your head around what all what are the different plays you can make what are the different moves you can make uh it's going to help much, the bottom line yeah every every major financial commitment. So the probably the biggest one most recently are these limited edition art books that I've created, these framed hardcover print books, because it's required a huge financial initial investment to get the stock. And it's it's something that I needed massive advice on because can my business sustain this if it doesn't move, like if I don't sell any? And is it worth, like, then do I look at patenting the frame design and do I trademark Carla Grace Art? Like, all those um, background things. So, Carla Grace Art has now been trademarked and I haven't been able to patent the frame design because there's this too many variables and there's actually, like, something quite similar like a knockoff sort of a really cheapy version out there um already so it's kind of that side of things that's been a massive business decision um and we decided that we're just going to risk it and get all the stock so I've got um all the books that I I want to run for this limited edition uh framed book um all in stock <laughs> in the back. It's just the frames that now I have to make on the go. And, and that side of things also has been a big decision because the cost to make these books, each individual book costs over half of what I'm charging <laughs> for each oh, wow. one. So it's, yeah, it seems like such a, an expensive book, like you must have a huge profit margin, but that's also another decision that you've got to make is what's the profit mm-hmm. margin going to be. Uh, and I've tried to keep it as small as possible because I'm so aware of who's who's wanting these uh, limited edition books and and it's also got to be something that I've got to be able to sustain uh, as a company 
So the decision based around the pricing of those and the expense, like what is worth actually putting into this because there are so many other different little things that are involved uh, behind the scenes that you don't really see as being an expense, but at the end of the day is a massive expense. Um, right. And getting the advice on that has been huge. Um, another you have any big, tips on, on trying to get advice, like any where to go or you know, anything you can tell the listeners? Yeah. If, if you're pursuing uh, doing something like that, like where you want to run limited edition prints, for example, and the printing company says, okay, if you just want to do a short run, like get five of them, it'll be this price. And if you want to do a hundred, it'll be like 20% cheaper or 300, it'll be 30% cheaper. Uh, it's sort of being able to justify investing in the 300 to save the overall 30% uh, expense of it. It comes down to your ability to sustain that expense in the event that they didn't sell ever. Right. And you just had the stock at home. It's, it can't, if it's going to kill you to have that stock just sitting there, it's probably not worth it. And if the overall savings isn't worth it, like when it looks at, when you look at your profit margin, if you were to sell 10 at the 20% discount and you cover your, your base expenses, that's, that didn't make sense, but it's. Um, well, none of it if, makes sense. If it's, the so, profit, it's so confusing and so complex. <laughs> it's, it's so confusing. There's so many, I've got like a million things running through my brain at the same time, <laughs> like as I'm trying to speak it out loud. Yeah. If your profit, if it's worth it to have the stock and never sell it, then go for it. Take right. the risk, but you got to figure out what that number is for you that you can like take the hit. Figure like out what the number trade. is, and if if the difference in the profit margin of having selling one at a time, so not having the stock and just selling it as you go, getting it printed and sell it as you go. If the difference in the profit that you make off the one print versus off the one print you have from the stock that you've tried to save pennies on the dollar, if that difference isn't worth it, then just do one at a time um, um, rather than having a huge amount of stock and therefore the financial output that you've made to have that stock, it's going to take you a lot longer to break even um, than it would if you were just to just do one at a time, I think is what I'm, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, that's such a mastery level of the art, <laughs> you know, being an artist that, yeah, I mean, that's just, it's insane having to think, Probably whenever you got started in the career, you weren't thinking like you're going to have to become some accounting, you know, trade analyst yeah. expert, but <laughs> it's sounds like, like you're well on the way. cost analysis and right. break-even flowcharts. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but I think like if you're just starting out and you want to pursue limited edition prints and you don't know how they're going to go on the market, if you don't have that demand, I think that pressing demand, then hold on. just starting off with, with a low amount of stock, if you're going to have any stock, super low, and just seeing how the sales go and where the demand is right. and going from there. Another another avenue that you can do is you do it according to order. So you don't have any stock ever. You just, as soon as someone orders one, you then go get it printed and then you go through the whole process. It just means that there's a bit more waiting time once the person makes the order. 
printer and a lot of people are fine with that. And that's what I did at the start. I would just print to order. I wouldn't have any stock because I just didn't have the financial um, backing to have any stock at all. <laughs> so uh, that's that's probably the least risk. Um, yeah, you take a lower, you take a probably a lower yeah, profit, but it still allows you to lower do profit it. margin. But then, yeah, so doing it that way, you're really getting a feel for the market around your product and what right. people are buying it where the best way like the best way to sell it so i sold um some limited edition prints through etsy initially and that gave me a feel for what people are buying um what they're looking for and how to do it right. <laughs> i guess it's, yeah one, gave wanted me a to bit touch of space on that. to figure it out i wanted to touch on that real quick who, so who all do you do you go through um, many different marketplaces online to sell your art or do you mainly just do it with your own network on your own site? When I was starting out, I went through as many different avenues as possible. I went through Etsy, Blue Thrupp, uh, and, and social media, Facebook stores. I had uh, basically any online avenue that would take me. And eventually over time, I closed off avenues that weren't selling and just kept the ones open that were. So Etsy was good. Blue Thumb was good. Uh, selling through Facebook didn't really work for me. Uh, people actually preferred to buy directly from me. So they would just send me an email and say, hey, I want to buy this artwork. And then they would buy it just directly through me. So eventually, after a few years, I actually closed down all my third-party outlets and just sold directly through my social media because I think people are so involved in the story on social media and talking to me directly. That's That seems the most intuitive way for them to buy my work rather than directing them to a third-party outlet it just started all just going directly. So I set up a really good store on my website that mm -hmm. people could buy directly from. So uh, now I don't have any third-party outlets. It's all all directly through, I guess, social media. Yeah. That's very impressive. I think a lot of artists would love to be at that position where they're not really paying commission to some gallery yeah. or some online yeah. store to find leads. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's worth it at the start, absolutely worth it to to figure out um, where your market is, where the best sales avenues are going. And it's it's worth that commission. I mean, it's a business arrangement. You're in a relationship with the third party. They have expenses too. So uh, it's, yeah, it's all part of it. Um, so I'm, I'm working on these last even, few. Oh, sorry, even selling it. Yeah. I was going to say even selling through my own website, I still pay commission on um, like the credit card facilities and, and the website and having the ability to have the store. So you're never going to be able to sell anything without paying someone else to sell it. <laughs> How much are the credit card commissions? So, is it a percentage? Uh, it's usually it a percentage. A... Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like PayPal, it depends on what credit card the person uses. It's around about the 4% mark. Okay. Uh, some credit card things like uh, Afterpay, things like that, those payment services, they're like 10%. And um, then there's 
the subscription for actually having the store on your website and then there's having the website at that level so like the the plan to have a website that will allow you to have a store like there's just so many different levels of paying for yeah the ability to sell the artwork so that's all part of it and it's those little things that you don't you're not really aware of until you're actually doing it um yeah all right i'm trying to work on these last because every good podcast has like a final like Spit fire three questions or something. Yeah. So yeah. as of now, these are the three that I have. Um, so what would you say is the number one skill that's most important in your line of work? Uh, being able to disconnect emotionally from the artwork when it comes to selling it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, what business practices have helped you grow your brand most? Um, marketing on social media, like finding your feet there and and just figuring out what works for your audience. Uh, That's definitely been like, you can almost the correlation between how active my social media is and how many sales I make is like, it's a couple. You just, you can't get one without the other. Okay. Um, If you were starting your career today, what advice would you give yourself? To just just start, um, don't let a lack of sales take away from your ability to paint and just create. The more you create, the more people will have to see to be able to invest in you, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, if you don't create, people aren't going to see anything that you're doing. So to be able to just constantly, like that's why I say to be emotionally disconnected from the sales uh, when it comes to actually creating, so not letting one influence the other is probably the best advice. It's it's also the hardest because yeah, it's so discouraging when, when you don't make sales. It's right. like, why aren't people buying my stuff? But it's more just some maybe just they just aren't seeing it. So the more you create and the more you post, the more you put out there, the more people will see and people can actually see um, the story of your work as you go. Uh, the work I was creating three years ago is completely different to the work I'm creating now. So people also want to be able to, to see your progress and, and see the growth of your, your work. And the only way they're able to do that is you just keep creating and you just, just start. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Bust your butt. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's it. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you jumping on this call, um, chatting with us. Uh, I think this is, some really good information that's going to help a lot of artists uh, that are out there trying to figure out what the next step is and growing their brand. And uh, I'm excited to see where all where you know where you end up with wildlife. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, wildlife uh, paintings and just overall, it's a, it's a joy to watch. Especially, I think you're kind of cheating because you got uh, cute little kids in your in your videos now. So it's just that's a massive adorable. cop out. It's like, oh, you don't like the artwork? Well, here's a cute kid. <laughs> exactly. I know. So that's uh, that's definitely going to win over quite a few hearts. <laughs> oh well, I hope so. They are cute kids. Awesome. So I'm very lucky. Oh, but thanks for having me. Sorry, Absolutely. I rambled a little bit. <laughs> oh no, that's the best. That's what we want. <laughs> <laughs>